listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. class, but in order to get to where they would get on the bus to take you wherever in the world on campus you needed to go, they would have to go through the cemetery in order to get to the most direct spot for the bus. You'd have to go all the way around. So they would go through the cemetery, and it's a pretty big cemetery uh, there. I, I knew the one that she was referring to. Um, not, not, not places that I really care to be in, just to be quite honest with you. Cemeteries not like on the top of the list. In fact, it's not even on the list of places that I just like to go in order to find encouragement. Now, I get that there are some cemeteries that we can visit, like our national cemetery in Arlington, Virginia, which is a, a place where we can go and, and we can be reminded of sacrifices made and the very powerful emotions that we can experience there. I also know that at times that we, we go and we visit the places where uh, loved ones have been, have been laid there. And, and I understand the, 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 the need in order to do that. But, but cemeteries are not the place that I go for encouragement. Although today, I think we're going to find some real encouragement in the Scriptures Cemetery. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, if you've ever started out reading the Scripture on a reading plan, a one-year plan, you start off great. Genesis, it's awesome. Creation, and then, and, and then even when things go bad, you're like, I knew this was coming, and I'm going to get through this, and then it gets really bad, and you know what's coming after the flood, and, and you ride the waves of the flood, and, and even as sin just continues to creep and the story begins to twist and wind in Genesis, it remains very, very interesting. And you'll find that to be true through the first few books of the scripture and then you get to kings and things start to slow down a little although some still very riveting stories in the book of kings and you flip the page over to chronicles where you feel like oh great more stories more exploits of the kings and what you find is wow this is more of the same stuff that I've already read and they keep throwing names at me, and names at me, and names at me, and names, and names, and names, and names. And that's about where you fall off the wagon, and you have to wait till January of next year to start your reading plan. So I want to go ahead and give you permission. If you've started your reading plan at this, at this year, listen, I want to give you permission. It's okay. If you get to Chronicles this year, if you start feeling the twinge of, I can't handle this, I'm not going to be able to make it through, and the enemy starts to tell you just to put this thing down, it's not worth the time, it's just names, and I don't know how to pronounce most of these, and I certainly don't know who these people are, I want to give you permission just to flip on over and get out of Chronicles and pick up with the story. Just, it's okay. Go back to it. I'm not saying it's bad and it needs to be ignored. I'm just saying don't get knocked off your plan. But interestingly enough, 
I think we'll find our second New Year reminder today in the book of Chronicles in the middle of the cemetery, reminders of those who have come and and have gone, the lineage of those. We, We find a well, well, we find a gravestone that I think is going to bring us some real encouragement. And, and maybe it is you know all about this individual because back in the 2000s, early 2000s, you might have read a little bitty book about this fella. It's the fastest selling book in all of history, Christian history. Maybe you know all about him. Maybe you've never heard of this individual. He's found in 1 Chronicles chapter number 4. As the writer, very likely, the scribe Ezra is writing these words, remembering these individuals, very likely this being captured and written not long after the children of Israel have come out of Babylonian captivity back into the land after 70 years of captivity. Very likely, Ezra the scribe is penning these words so that the history of Israel can be maintained as as they've come out of this time of great judgment. They're beginning to rebuild the temple. They're beginning to rebuild uh, that that has been destroyed. And Ezra, very likely, we don't know for certain, very likely he's the one pinning these words. And what he primarily focuses on in the book of Chronicles is not the descendants of all of the tribes of Israel, but primarily he's focusing in on the tribe of Judah. If you were here last week in our first New Year reminder, we focused in on a gentleman by the name of Caleb who was a descendant of Judah. Well, very likely not too long after or maybe even in the lifetime of this individual named Caleb came another fella, a descendant of Judah. And what we find is a two-verse like little encapsulated story of his life right in the middle of the cemetery. We come across actually a gravestone with, a, with, with, a, with wording on there. And, and here's what it says. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse number 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Last week, we looked at the Old Testament character of Caleb, and we come away from from his story of of trusting the Lord and, and wanting to just obey the Lord, no matter how dangerous it looked, no matter how ridiculous it seemed to those that were around him. Caleb said, if God said it, by goodness, let's pack up now. Let's go do this thing because we can count on him. And we came away last week, hopefully, understanding that our New Year reminder, number one, is to fully follow the Lord. I don't know if you've thought about that this week or if you've evaluated your life this week as to how fully you are following the Lord. But, but I believe Caleb's life 
demonstrates to us that if we will just simply place our big God in front of all the other circumstances and opinions, and we just fully follow him, he will lead us into his victory. That may not always look like what we want it to look like, but he will lead us in his way if we will fully follow the Lord. If, if we will take a step if we will pursue the Lord fully, then I believe we could step into this second opportunity in the life of Jabez. And we're going to encourage one another this morning. The number two New Year reminder is that as we are fully following the Lord, we need to ask God for more. You say, where are we getting that from verse number nine? Well, let's break this down first in verse number 9. Then we'll get to verse number 10, and I think maybe it'll make a little more sense to you. Look, first of all, this fella Jabez, out of nowhere. I mean, throughout this chapter and the chapters before it and the chapters to follow, they're going to link individuals to their father. And then they're going to give us the names of their sons. Or, or at times, they're going to link individuals to their grandfather or their great-grandfather. That's one of the things that we need to keep in mind as we're reading the lineages that are recorded in scriptures is sometimes, I would say maybe even it would be fair to say oftentimes, you have a link between a, a great-grandfather or a grandfather and a grandson because they're just trying to, to make the point and showing the points of linkage without having to fill in all the names. That was very common. And it, would, and, and it might, Scripture might even say, the son of. But that's all right because a great-grandson is still a son of, even though it's not directly connected. But this guy, Jabez... We don't know who his daddy was. It didn't connect him to anyone. There were some folks identified prior to him. Now, maybe we might presume upon who his father or grandfather, but we don't know. In fact, this guy just is random, out of the blue. We get introduced to Jabez. And the thing about it is, he's never mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. Only right here in these two verses in the middle of the Old Testament cemetery. God says, hey, pay attention. There's a fellow by the name of Jabez who was more honorable than his brothers. I'm calling this the random guy with a painful name. He says this guy Jabez was more honorable than all his brothers. Now, here's what I need you to understand. There were two languages that I was exposed to in seminary, okay? I was exposed to the Greek language. I was exposed to the Hebrew language. I can tell you with absolute confidence that I am a master of neither, okay? I don't remember much about either one of those languages, but I will say the Greek makes a little bit more sense, even though I can't read the Greek. I couldn't hold a Greek New Testament, tell you what many of the words mean. But when scholars talk about the Greek language, I can kind of follow what they're saying because I, I did have some really good professors and I can hold on to a little bit about what they're talking about. When it came to Hebrew, 
I just need you to understand that you are listening to a modern day miracle. I am a miracle because I passed four semesters of Hebrew and I promise you I have no idea how that happened. But I'm not giving that diploma back. They'll fight me for that. Okay, well, I'm just telling you, I, Hebrew is weird, and I don't get it. And I've got a very good friend up in North Georgia who loves that bizarre language. And he's the one that I call when I need some extra help in Hebrew. What I understand about this passage is, is that verse 9 says that Jabez was an honorable man, more honorable than his brother's. This word honorable has the idea of weightiness, okay? Now, it doesn't mean he weighed more than his brothers. But this word honor means that his influence, his imprint on the community was of a greater weight than all of his brothers. I mean, when they're going to talk about what, whatever family Jabez came from, because we don't know. But when they're talking about that family, everyone's going to talk about Jabez because he was of a weightier memory, of a weightier influence. And it was a positive weight. It was an honorable weight. So we step back and we read his gravestone and we hear that Jabez was the most honorable in his family. He's the one who had the greatest influence out of all of his brethren. Well, this is interesting because Jabez's name as given by his mother sounds like, and again, this is a, this is a Hebrew thing happening right now. Uh, the, the way I understand it is that Jabez itself does not necessarily mean pain, but the name form that is Jabez has all of the sounds and the pointings toward the word that means pain, anguish, sorrow. Now maybe you've known some folks in, in your life that went by the name hope or maybe they had the name faith or, or or maybe they had the name charity I knew a girl when I was in elementary school her name was joy you know some names just cause you to smile I don't think I've ever met anybody named misery right I mean you, you're not you're not uh, wanting to try to figure out how can we interestingly spell our new son's name, you know, uh, hurtful. You know, no, we don't, we don't do that. We don't name them pain. We don't name them excruciating with three W's. No, we don't do that. Why? Because names travel. In the same way you think about some folks who's been named things that you go, why in the world would you have ever named your child that name? And you've got it in your mind right now. Because names matter. Well, Jabez was associated with pain. Verse number 9 says that his mother gave him the name Jabez because I bore him in pain. 
And I don't think the obvious is being stated here. All of you ladies that have given birth can attest to the excruciating nature of childbirth. But I think that's the given norm. I, I don't think she's saying that because of, of the pain of childbirth. There seems to be something else going on in her life. And here's the thing, we don't know what that is. I do find it interesting that the mother gave him his name because in the Jewish uh, norms, it would be the father who would give the name. Could it be that Jabez's mother was in so much pain because she was giving birth to a child that would never know his father? Is that possible? Could be. Could it be that something happened in her family that we could never put our finger on that caused her great anguish? Whatever it was, Jabez came into the world, began his life with a name that he would carry with him that said pain, sorrow, grief. But the gravestone says his life was characterized by honor. His life was characterized by influence and greatness. Verse number 10 tells us why. We see this random guy with a painful name. How did he become so weighty? Well, it's because he prayed and the God that he prayed to answered his prayer. Now, I know there's a phenomenon going around right now, has been going around for a number of years, that, that brings a theology into play that says, if we'll just simply state something, that God will give it to us. Maybe it's, maybe it's known to you as health and wealth theology. Well, if that were true, I would have named health this morning, and I wouldn't have sound like I sound right now. But you know what? It is what it is. Here's the thing. You can't put God on the hook, okay? There's not one of us that can say, God, you got to do this and expect God to do it, because he ain't bound by nothing that we say, okay? So the notion, if there are those that think that all you got to do is state it, and God's going to do it, well, then you'll, find a, you'll have a hard time finding that in Scripture. But what we do find here in this verse is a guy who asked for some pretty big things and ended up getting it. Look what it says in verse 10. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border... And that your hand might be with me, and that you, thank you, and that you would keep me from harm. He opened it for me too, so I didn't have to struggle. Thanks, dude. You're awesome. And that your hand would, might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. I find here he's asking for four things. He's asking it to a specific 
individual. And that is who? The God of Israel. I am that I am. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. The God of King David. The the great descendant of Judah. The God who, yes, allowed us to suffer in judgment for the last 70 years. But in firm keeping with his word written far prior to what happened has brought us right back into the land he promised just like he said he would. This guy whose name is Jabez who probably lived somewhere around the latter times of Caleb's life prayed to the God of Israel. And he asked him for four things. This guy characterized by pain suffering, sorrow, and grief. Not a whole lot to expect in his life, given the name that he had at birth. This guy, Jabez, knelt down and said, God, I want to ask you for four things. Number one, I want you to bless me. Number two, I want you to expand my borders. And I want your hand to be upon me. And I want you to keep me from the harm that will cause me pain. Very likely directed back at his name. God, would you allow me to live a life that is uncharacteristic to the name I've been given? You know, I think there are some probably within the audience today, in fact, I I know there are, who don't think very much of yourself. And I know that there is a a thing called humility that we would all do well to to, uh, improve on in our life where we, we don't think so highly of ourselves. But some go beyond humility into the realm of, self-loathing where they don't consider themselves having much to offer because of your past your 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 sin your your bad choices or or because of your lack of abilities or or the things that you you do or don't think you're very good at you limit yourself because you know I just listen I know where I come from I know what I'll never be and so I just hey that's okay I'll just step back from here Some of you, having not been given the name pain, have not been given the name sorrow or grief, but you think yourself that way. We see a guy here who goes, God, would would it be possible for you to allow me to live beyond what my name says? what I think about myself and what everyone else knows me to be. What are these things that he prayed? Well, despite the appearance, Jabez was not selfishly asking God to make him rich and influential. But Jabez was asking God to make him rich and influential. You see, when we ask God to make us rich and famous, it's because we want to be rich and famous. We want to have the riches and we want to enjoy the fame. Jabez was asking for riches and influence, but but not because 
of his own selfish desires. One of the authors that I often read behind says that that this particular little two-verse encouragement in the middle of the cemetery goes all the way back to the ideas presented, the promises, I should say, not ideas, the promises presented to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter number 28. Now, we're not going to turn there this morning. But in your reading plan, you should get there about, oh, probably next week. Deuteronomy chapter 28. What you're going to discover in the book of Deuteronomy is, is now the children of Israel had wandered for their 40 years, and they're ready to now try again to go into the promised land. Are we we ready to do this again? Who do you think is going to be at the front of that line going, yes, we are, Caleb and Joshua. like, yes, we are. I'm tired of this wilderness. We're going in. Moses has everyone gathered around, and he's preaching them a sermon. And in chapter number 28, Moses gives the people of Israel the word of God, and here's what God says. When you come into the land, if you will simply obey me, if you'll simply follow me, if you'll just do the few things that I have given and commanded you to do, and if you'll just keep your eyes off of the gods and the practices of the pagans in the land. If you'll just not desire to do and be what they are, and you'll just stay focused on me, you'll just obey me, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make your crops bountiful. I'm going to make your money bags burst open. I'm going to give you so many kids Your womb will be bountiful and fruitful. You'll have everything you need and far more than you could ever imagine. And it's not because you're super important, but it's because I want the onlooking world to know what it's like to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to bless you bountifully Because ultimately, I want them coming to your door and going, why is life so good for you? Because the answer is going to be because our God, the only God, is good. And they're going to have the opportunity to come in and be a part by faith. If you'll just obey me, that's what I'll do. I give you blessing. I'll give you stuff, I'll give you my presence, and I'll keep you from harm. If you keep reading chapter number 28 of the book of Deuteronomy, you're going to discover that he has a whole lot more to say about if you don't do what I say. If you disobey me, there's going to come, like if you obey, there's all kinds of blessings If you don't obey, there's all kinds of curses. God said, if you don't obey me, if if you go to chasing after their practices and their gods, who aren't gods, by the way, if you start disobeying me, you start ignoring me, you start putting me on the side burner, then I'm going to make life very, very difficult for you. The ground won't produce You'll put money in the bag, but there'll be holes in the bag, and the money will seem like it just falls out. Your enemies will rise up around you and will plague you. 
That's what you'll experience if you disobey. One little thing that I'll, I'll throw in there is that God always says, and, and when you disobey, I'm going to judge you, but when you cry out to me, in my mercy, I will come, and I will heal, and I will bring restoration. That, that's the kind of gracious God we got. Wants to bless us for obedience, will curse us for disobedience, but is ready to bring us back in whenever we will repent. You know, y'all know what that's called, don't you? You know what that, you know what that, all that's about? It's called grace, and ultimately it's an Old Testament kind of a shadowy look at the gospel. I said, if you'll do these things, I'll bless you. Seems like what Jabez is saying, now Lord, here's, my name means grief and sorrow and pain. Would, would you be willing to bless me in the land? Would, would you be willing to broaden my territory? Not, not because I want more land, but because the more land, the more resources I have, the, the more stake I have in your, in, in your plan, the more opportunities. Would you keep your hand of power on me? Would you guide and direct would you keep me from pain? Jabez asked, number one, will you show me divine favor? God, I, I know you want to bless your children. I'm asking, will you bless me despite my name? W will you pour out your blessing on my home? Would, would you do that for me? I want your blessing on my life. I want your favor on my life. When was the last time that we asked God for his favor on our life, on our home? Of course, we pray and we ask God most often to fix the problem that we have. We, we, we lead our own life. We, we drive it in the direction that we think best. We, we make the decisions that we want to make because we've got the freedom to do so. And, and we chart our path. And then when things get hard and things get broken or things get rough, we say, God, will you, will you fix the road in front of me so that I can keep driving? More often than not, I believe that, that, that God, yes, he's gracious to us. And yes, he at times gives us those things that, he, that we ask him for. But, but mostly I think what God wants us to do is to stop asking him to fix our stuff. And, and ask him to just put us, if we could, on, the, on, on his wagon. Let him ride. Let him drive while we just ride. Could, could we do that? Would you show me favor, Lord? When's the last time we just said, God, I want your blessing in my life. No matter what that looks like. I just, I want you to pour your favor on me. I want you to be big through me. The second thing you ask, God, give me more opportunity to serve you. Give me more influence 
Give me more, more, more opportunities to pour into. Look, you know when we influence others, it's because we've been through experiences ourselves, right? The folks that have helped you the most in your life, because I know they've helped me the most in my life, are those that have been through a lot of stuff and, and have experienced God's grace through a lot of difficulty and maybe even trial and things they would not wish upon another, but they've gone through the experience, and so now they're able to encourage me and to be an encouragement and an influence in me because of what they've gone through. And I go, man, I just want to, I want to be able to encourage people like that. And God wants us to be able to encourage people like that. But you know what we have to do in order to encourage people like that? Sometimes we have to experience difficulty. But I think Jabez was saying, I, I got pain in my name. I got grief. I got sorrow. I got no upside, Lord. Would you be willing to show me favor? God, would you, would you just give me more of you? And God, would you give me more opportunity? I don't have much, but if you... If you enlarged my sphere of influence, I'll use all of it for you. It's not selfishly wanting more property. He's wanting more opportunity. When was the last time we said, God, would you give me more of an influence in those around me at work? Would you make my light shine brighter to those that are watching me? I, I just want to, I want folks to be able to see you and me. Jabez asked for God's sovereign power and leading. Oh, that your hand might be with me. All throughout the Old Testament. The hand of God, the right arm of God, was a, was a metaphor for his power, his strength, his protection. Jabez is saying, God, I want you to pour out your blessing. I want you to bless me. I want more of you. And I want more opportunity. But God, more than that, I want you to direct that opportunity. I want you to empower that opportunity. I want you to direct me. I want you to use me like a glove, if you will, where, where, where I'm useless apart from your hand in my body. But if you'll put your hand on me and can just use me, God, I want to be pliable like that glove so that you're the one doing the work and, and I'm just the vessel being used. Would you give me your power, your Leading, would you direct my life? When's the last time we prayed that? God, I want you to, I know, I know what I want, and I've been wanting it a long time, but I want to want what you want more than what I want. Did I twist you up right there? God, I want, I want what you desire. I want you to do the leading, and I want you to empower me. Think about one of those in the New Testament that certainly prayed that, certainly desired that. Y'all know him by the name of Paul, the apostle, who wanted so badly to be that influence, who wanted so badly for God to direct and to, to empower and to lead. And he did right into prison. 
where Paul sat between two soldiers. I'm not accomplishing anything. I guess I'll just write some letters. <laughs> right? So we don't know what God's response to that is. But, but you know what? Did God use Paul in a mighty way? Man, did he use him. Didn't look like what he thought it would look like. Paul's desire was to be used. And, and then you find in his letters where he's like, you know, for me, this is no good. But for you, I know that my imprisonment is for your good. They're talking about killing me. Well, they can't threaten me with death. I'm just going to go to be with the Lord if they kill me. But I know staying alive is more beneficial to you. So whatever God wants to do, that's, you know, he wanted God to direct. So did Jabez. Jabez, God, would you give me more of you? Would you, just, would you just turn your favor on me? Would you give me more opportunity? And then God, would you divinely lead me in your power by your leading? And then lastly, he goes directly back to his name. And he says, oh, that you would keep me from harm. This word harm can have the idea of, of evil as well. Keep me from harm. Keep me from evil so that it might not bring me pain. I think what Jabez is saying is like in the model prayer when Jesus taught his disciples to pray and lead me not into temptation. Deliver us from evil or the evil one. It seems like what Jabez is saying is, and God, would you, would you please... In your ability, keep me from the path that will lead me to the pain that I already have in my name. Keep me from the way that will only result in pain. I'll take the name pain. God, I don't mind being called pain, grief, sorrow. That's fine. Let them laugh. Let them talk. But if you give me favor... If you'd give me opportunity and the power and the leading and keep me from going the wrong way, well, God, then I would be honored to be pain on this earth to have from you. So, yeah, he was asking for some stuff, but he was asking for the right stuff. He was asking the right one who owns all the stuff. And look what verse 10 says. And God granted what he asked. I mean, it's, it's almost like a little afterthought. It's almost like what the, what the writer's saying is like, and God went, sure, and just waved his hands and just poof, there it was. Probably didn't happen like that. Probably didn't happen immediately. But what Jabez prayed for, God says, now that's what I'm talking about. That, of course, that's what I want to do. Of course, I want to bless you. I've already told you I want to bless you. You're asking me to bless you? Absolutely, I'll bless you. You know, the thing that God has brought to my mind as I've been thinking about this message is, and it's just this for me, if it's helpful for you, then, then great. If, if I want God to bless me, and I got to make room for the blessing. That makes sense? I'm going to explain what I'm talking about. 
See, my life can get full of, of stuff, kind of like my garage. I hate my garage. I don't hate my garage. I'm, I'm thankful for my garage. But I just, you know, stuff, just stuff, just bothers me. I just stuff, ugh, stuff. And, and my family will tell you when it comes to stuff, I am not one to leave alone with the stuff. Because if it doesn't have an immediate use to me, then I've got a place it can go. And I'll pay a little bit for it to go there, okay? Because I just want it out of my way. So I'm not good to be left alone with the stuff doing the cleaning. But, <coughs> you know, <clears throat> there's only so much you can put in your garage, right? And some of y'all are trying to test that theory. I mean, you're, you think there's nothing else can go in there. Like, watch me. I'm going to show you. <clears throat> That's you, Angie? Okay. There's only so much you can put there's only so much you can put in the garage. But if you took some stuff out of the garage, well, now we've made room for some more stuff. But, chat, you're right, more stuff. But if it's better stuff, well, now, now it's, it's worth the move, right? God, I want you to bless me. And God says, I want to bless you. But you don't have any room in your life right now for me to bless you. It's, it's all cluttered up. And, and trust me, I got clutter. And, and I'm just sharing with you, I, I, got, I got some spring cleaning to do to get more blessing. What, what about you? Your life gets cluttered with all, and, 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 and I don't know what it is. And, and I could start saying it could be this, it could be that. Here's what I know. <clears throat> I know what my clutter is. So I'm just going to I'm just going to extend y'all that dignity of saying, and y'all know what your clutter is. Y'all know what's in the way in your life of God's blessing in your life. God wants to bless us, but we got to make room for it. God wants to use us. We can ask God for more opportunity, but I think the question is going to come, are you using the opportunity you got? Well, what are you doing with the, with the opportunities I'm giving you right now? You taking Does God want to give us more opportunity? Yes. Will God give us more opportunity? When he chooses by his grace, we ask and he'll give us more opportunity. But he wants us to use the opportunity we have. He wants us to, to take what he's what resources he's given us now and put them to practice. It, it, would, it would be improper to say, God, if you give me a little bit more money, I'll, I'll invest in ministry. And y'all know, those of you, if you're here the first time, you say, there he goes, another preacher talking about money. Those that have been around here know that I don't talk about money a lot. In fact, I probably don't talk about money enough, some would say. You should be investing in the ministry of the gospel if you're a follower of Jesus. And the scriptures, it starts talking about it in the Old Testament and it keeps talking about it in the New Testament. That we should be taking of the resources we have. Why? Because they're all God's resources and they're only given to us as stewards and we are to be using what already belongs to God for his glory. And part of that is investing in the ministry. 
You can't say, God, if you give me a little bit more money that I could afford to give, I'll give. God's like, why aren't you giving from what I've already given you? You're like, well, I can't afford it. He's like, right. You, you, you might have gotten too many irons in the fire. God, will you bless me? Yeah, I'd love to bless you, but you don't have any room for any more blessing. I think God wants us to ask him for more of his Blessing in our life. I think he wants us to ask for more opportunity, but I think he wants us to use the opportunity we have as we want more. God, I want you to direct my life. I think he says, so do I. So do I. How about let me? I can tell you the, 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 the richest time in my life was also the scariest time. I say the richest time. I, I, I've got a rich life now. Let me, let me qualify that. The scariest time of my life was the time that I really sensed God's direct leading. It's, it's when we moved 15 hours away from home with not a whole lot of prospect of what we were going to find there, without a lot of, of hope on how we were going to be able to stay there. And, and, and w- this doesn't make any sense, yet we knew that's what we were supposed to do. And you know what God did? God made our path straight. You know why? Because we were trusting in Him with all our heart, and we weren't leaning on our own understanding. And all our ways, we didn't have any choice but to acknowledge him. And you know what he did? He made our path straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. God, I want, I want your power. I want your direction. I want your leading on me. And I think God says, are you sure? Because that's what you want. I'll do that. I want to do that. But that might not look like what you got planned. I mean, you, you, let me give you a real-life example. You might have worked your way all the way to the threshold of the rest of your existence. Retirement, everything done. Is the, is the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the, the God I am, is, is he capable of saying, I see where you've gotten yourself to, but now you want me to direct your life? All right, here's what we'll do. We're going to make a hard right turn. And like, wait a minute, God, you want me to leave behind all this momentum that I've created for myself? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like somehow our, the thing we've amassed, somehow God stepped back going, wow, that is impressive. Come on. No. He's like, yeah, that, that's nothing. I'm burning that up. Turn, follow me. I'll lead you. My pa- so I think, yes, God wants us to say, will you lead my life? And I think his response will be, yes. You sure? God, I want you to keep me from what will bring pain. Yeah, I will do that. I want to do that. But you got to listen to me. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to yourself. You follow me. Yes, I will. And God granted to Jabez. Yeah.
God's not saying through this Old Testament two verses, hey, everybody, ask me for more stuff. I'll give you more. This is not a gimme sermon, and I think you realize that. But what he is saying is, is you want me to do more in your life? Well, I'd love to do more in your life. And, and, let, and let me show you an example of how willing I am to do it. God named pain. God named grief, sorrow. God named ain't never going to amount to nothing. Ask me to bless him and give him more opportunity and guide him and to keep him from the way that would lead to what everybody figured he'd be. And I said, absolutely. Here lies Jabez, most influential man in his family, by God's grace. Now, can we ask God for those types of things? Yes. I'll give you some New Testament reminders to keep in mind. Some instructions as we ask God for more. And that's the encouragement today. Let's ask God for more. Let's follow Him wholly. And then let's ask Him for more. Let's ask Him for more. Let's go to Him and say, let's, let's go farther. I think that's what He wants from us. Matthew 7 7 and 8, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, be opened unto you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it'll be opened. God still invites his children to eagerly and persistently ask of him. Ask him. James, two, three, or James 4, 2 and 3 says you desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and can't attain, so you fight and quarrel. The problem is you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motives. So the New Testament instruction says, yeah, ask God for more. But make sure that your request is coming from a place of right motivation. His glory, his purpose, his desire. John 14, three, uh, 13 and 14. Jesus says those two verses that we Scratch our head at when he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. And so we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. And I think that is not improper, but in Jesus' name means according to his will, according to his purpose. You ask anything I want to give you, and you can count on it. I will never withhold, just like a father would never withhold the good things from his son. I'll never withhold those things I want to give you, if you just ask. And then Ephesians chapter 3, 20, 21 says, in a statement of praise, but a reminder, he says, now to him... Talking about our God, who is able to do far more abundantly than that we ask or think. Exceedingly abundantly, I think is how the King James says it. Oh, your God can do way more than you could ever ask for. To Him be the glory. To Him be the honor in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. Amen. We got a big God who wants and is going to do big things. 
would we be risky enough to ask him to do more of his big things through our life? It's risky, but it's worth it. Reminder number two, ask God for more. Refuse to believe the lie that there is little that God will do through you for whatever reason you think. Refuse to be satisfied with little when there is far more that God can do. Seek Him for more. Stand together with me if you will. I know we got to get these in the right order. We got to be determined to fully follow the Lord with our whole heart. And then we can ask Him for more. I say, let's ask Him for more because we want to fully follow. As a church, I want to invite you to bind together with us in asking Him for more. It's a long story, but it's one that dawned on us not too many days ago, two, three weeks ago. It's a long story. The bottom line is we came to the conclusion that, that we are a church uniquely positioned to be a blessing to a particular group of people with a particular need. That group of people is stroke victims and their families because within our body we have a stroke victim and his family and we know how God has has blessed we know how God has enlarged empowered and will continue to keep along the path and so we are, as a church, uniquely equipped because we get stroke victims. We get them. You know why? Because we got one, Nathan. We get him. And we love his family. There are folks in our community, we don't know how many. We don't know how wide that is, but they have experienced something life-altering that God will not only lead them into, through, but he can use for his glory, certainly as a door into salvation and then into ministry. And we just want to be a, a blessing and an encouragement and a light of the gospel and a shoulder and a place that stroke victims and their family can find a home. So, April the 1st of 2023 is, yes, it's April Fool's Day. I can't help that. But that is a Saturday, and it's about three weeks before Easter. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a luncheon on Saturday, April the 1st, right here, to honor stroke victims and their family. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't even know how we're going to let them know. But here's what I want to invite you to do with us. Let's ask God to give us an opportunity to bless that community to be a direct influence on them and that God would use our brother as an opportunity 
to show them what it looks like for God to lead through that. And, and let's be a oasis to those in that community who are hurting. Amen? All right. So that's, that's our goal. We're, that's what we want to do. That's what we're asking God if he'll allow us to do that. Would, would he use us in that way? So right now, you begin praying about April 1st and about how you're going to be involved because it's going to be all of us, all hands on deck. We're all going to be a blessing. If you want to be a part of that from the beginning, hey, I want to be a part of planning. I want to be a part of figuring that out. Da, 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 da. Then you let Nedra know. You let myself know. Don't tell Nathan. Nathan forget. And he always, you tell Nedra. Ah, you tell Nathan. Just had to talk it into his phone. Tell Nedra, tell me, tell Beth, tell, uh, hey, I want to be a part early on. Otherwise, we'll start giving you jobs that we want you to have. So, that's our plan. Let's ask him for more. You ask him for more. Follow him wholly. Be encouraged. It's a whole new year. Let's hit the ground running. Amen? Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. God, we thank you for your son who, who asked you incarnate to glorify yourself through him and your response to your son was I have glorified you and I will glorify you and God we know that that meant the cross you glorified yourself in the son through the cross on the way to resurrection we don't want the cross. We don't like the cross. But by your grace, God, we ask you to help us to want your glory, even if that means our own suffering. Father, we want more. We want to be people who can receive more. Move in us by your grace. We love you and we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Amen.